At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer. Faber has the morning off. Futures up 600. We're going to claw back some of the pressure from yesterday as the market again wrestles with economic reopening, technical levels, some downgrades of CAT, United and Tesla. Oil's above 36, 10 year back to seven tenths, Jim. But um, you were just talking with Andrew about what exactly got washed out yesterday. Hard to say a lot when Hertz is up 50 percent pre-market. Yeah, I mean, look, this is uh, a kind of a comedy of errors, uh, uh, no insult to the part. Uh, You really there's a bankruptcy uh, code and maybe uh, Hertz management got permission. Uh, In the old days, when you went bankrupt, there would be a little bit of a stub of stock so that you could go and sell it and then show the IRS that you had taken the full loss. Uh, Carl Icahn sold a ton of the stock in the 70s, right? He sold 38 percent. I I think if he had known that there would suddenly be a new stock, uh, he would have um, hit that bid. Uh, If I were him, I'd sue. I'd sue right now. Uh, I would just hire a lawyer and sue because he... He sold it what the company was uh, advertising as a, a bankrupt price where the common stock was. And he has, I think, a right to be able to take, claim 38 percent of this money. And I urge him to do so, to hire a lawyer and get the money <laughs> uh, because this is just yep. ludicrous. Uh, uh, we'll see what the court says. Uh, I think they got to get to four, right, to get uh, to a billion. Uh, but even so, uh, the four year bond, they're trading at 35 cents. Well, how do you like that? I mean, here you got a company that knows that the common stock uh, is could be worthless, uh, but is having some fun because there's so many stupid people who are bidding up the common stock when it may be worthless. Uh, the com- I think that the government should have frozen the stock uh, and said, listen, this is not I, we don't want you to lose money. But the government does not care about whether you lose money or not. The government just says, hey, listen, uh, if you, you have every right to be a stupid idiot. Um, it's just that Carl Icahn, I think, is not a stupid idiot and recognizes when there should be money that was his uh, because he owned uh, common stock. But it, look, Hertz is hilarious. And I got to hand it to them. This is one of the funniest things they've done. And of course, the joke is on the people who buy it. But you know what? Again, there's nothing in the Constitution that says you can't make people look like idiots. Well, I when studied we back the Constitution. Up, we, we, is, 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 it a, is it a worthy lens for looking at market sentiment uh, from 30,000 feet? I mean, is it indicative of anything larger? I Barclays has a big piece out this morning about, about Robinhood. In their view, there's no correlation between uh, aggregate Robinhood holdings and index levels, maybe on individual well, stock levels, but I, I, uh, they argue it, that Robinhood's not behind the rally. I don't think so. I mean, we got, look, we've, you know, just one man, E-Trade reports it's May, a, a daily average. Uh, it's monthly activity report from, um, we're talking about record highs. Uh, volumes of all time in June. Um, so, no, I think it's it's a collective action. Uh, I want to be in favor of it, Carl. I want to be able to make everybody happy. Say, buy some Hertz. 
Uh, and then what will happen is on YouTube three weeks from now, they'll say, you know what? He was part of the problem. Uh, buy American Airlines after they put out really bad news. Well, uh, why not? Uh, these are uh, if people wanted these stocks, there would be plenty of supply if they would just wait till 930. But no, they, they are fomenting action. Uh, once you foment action, it brings in suckers. And then maybe they'll buy the stock thinking that there's something going on. Of course, there isn't. There's not doubt. You know, Carnival's not about to merge with, with Royal Caribbean that I know of. Uh, and uh, you can't really have any more consolidation in the airlines. But it doesn't matter. Look, I could stand on my head a, 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 until I'm blue and say, listen, please don't do this. Wait till 930. The stocks won't be up. Don't bid them up. And it's not Robin. It's uh, whoever's bidding them up now. You're going to be able to get them lower. But if your job and your goal is to foment activity, well, you're fermenting it left yeah. and right. And that's what this is. It's fomenting. Yeah. You mentioned the airlines, Jim. American uh, is talking uh, zero cash burn, positive net booking since mid-May. TSA traffic yesterday, 502,000 passengers. We're going to talk to Cowan's Helene Becker later on this morning. She said a couple of months ago she didn't say us getting to these levels for three to five years. No, I mean, look, there, there are people traveling. But remember, I think that there's uh, lurking here. If I were any other than Southwest, I would be doing equity deals. Not These are not hers. These companies actually, uh, they've got an operating business and the right. common stock represents the earnings stream. But uh, if I were American and the stock pops, I would sell stock. I mean, if people are going to buy stock at these inflated prices, Americans should be in there selling stock on this news so that they you know, they borrow money from the government. They've got to pay it off. Why not take advantage of the of this uh, uh, for, you know, great exuberance and sell stock? Uh, I don't know why they don't. Uh, uh, Hertz did. It would be smart. Right, right. Yes, yeah. yes they did. I think uh, Cowan says that so far airlines have sourced $83 billion year to date. That includes government aid. And then and then we got, uh, you know, second day in a row, Jim, of downgrades for companies like United. Today, it's Credit Suisse. They go right. to 41. Uh, they go to 40. They, they up Southwest, uh, calling it their favorite multi-year strategic investment. That I like. I mean, uh, Gary Kelly's been incredibly responsible to see the whole way. He's raised money. He raised money, by the way, at a price where you're up uh, about seven bucks. Got a very good balance sheet. Doesn't ever let us down. I mean, he is the stalwart. If you wanted to go by Southwest at 940 after the fomentation, or maybe nine, you know, 950, you could go do it if you'd like. I looked at what happened yesterday, and I saw some incredibly high-quality stocks be thrown out in the last half hour that I think represent better buys than these airlines. But uh, that's not what this market wants. They're, you know, they're, they're, not, they're confusing Eli Lilly with JetBlue. Those are very different entities. Yeah, brings to mind sort of the picture about the reopening gym and the spike in cases. A lot of debate this morning about whether it's overflow from Mexico. It's certainly not parabolic, which the bulls want to argue means you don't need to worry about it being a function of the protests. It's more a general uh, reopening dynamic. Cudlow's on the tape today says we're not seeing a second spike. Do we believe him? Well, I look at the uh, at the Johns Hopkins numbers every morning and uh, it, it's actually pretty encouraging. Uh, and the Hopkins numbers are they're not political. So is Larry right on this? I just say, go look at the Hopkins numbers, Hopkins, and make your own judgment. There's a, a bit of a bump up in Texas. There's no doubt about that. But most of the curves on the Hopkins page and state by state look pretty good. Uh, again, there's a lot of people who I think are uh, hearing 
uh, news items which say that it's much worse. But the Hopkins numbers don't lie. Hopkins has been the guy, the comp- that's not a company, it's the school that's been most right the whole time. And their numbers are unassailable, and the numbers are pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And then you got um, the president this morning uh, retweeting Scott Gottlieb, uh, who said that the Regeneron cocktail t- uh, trial is, in his words, a critical milestone because that gym is something that you could make available through emergency use authorization by the fall. And that's that's sort of the game changer that uh, the Bulls are counting on. I don't want to put a gun to uh, to Lenschleifer's head, uh, the CEO of Regeneron, but it could be before the fall. Uh, I think that he's got the cocktail. They did Ebola. Uh, uh, George Yankopoulos, an uh, incredible interview yesterday with Meg Terrell. Can I just say Meg Terrell? You know, you, all you need is Gottlieb and Terrell. You don't need anybody else. Uh, but it, it was very, <laughs> very encouraging. And I felt really good after I listened to Len. Uh, Len, is not a, Len was my first guest on, on uh, a Mad Money. His stock was at 5 bucks. Uh, it's at 609 uh, it was never bid up before the market by anybody. And I think that uh, that Regeneron's news is so encouraging and they have so much credibility that I, too, share um, the president's enthusiasm. Uh, it, this could be the game changer, not remdesivir. But and, and, and remdesivir could be part of a cocktail. Now, Len has been saying, Len Schlepper's been saying over and over again, it's going to be a cocktail. But I have the most faith in Regeneron of any company that's involved uh, other than Johnson and Johnson. And uh, so I think I would look to Regeneron as the way to be able to get out of this morass and maybe get us restarted. Don't want to put, again, too much pressure on Len, uh, who is, I think, a terrific guy. That's interesting. Uh, it's probably one reason why two people, Jim, this morning on Squawk uh, were net positive. Sandy Weil on Banks, which we'll hear in a moment. But David Rubenstein of, uh, of Carlisle, uh, in his view, said the uh, bottom of economic activity has been hit. Here's what he said. I think the bottom has been hit. I don't think it's uh, going to get deeper in terms of a recession than what we have now. I think we're coming out of it. I think people can overreact. And I think there has been some overreaction that one from time to time. Clearly, the economy is not a body blow. We haven't had anything like this for generations. But I do think we're on our way back. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jim it, said he, he still sees Congress likely to do one more bill at maybe a trillion to a trillion and a half. We need to have a tide over. Uh, because there are a lot of restaurants, a lot of retailers that won't get to the promised land. This is like the Jordan River portion of the wandering in the desert. Uh, But I would say that we could have the fabled double-digit increase uh, in the next quarter if Regeneron uh, comes through. Now, look, you could say, well, Jim, you're just being completely too bullish. I have followed Regeneron the whole way. They were very honest with me at the very beginning. They said they had nothing, they had nothing, they had nothing, they had nothing. And then one, Len, then one day Len said, we may have something. And then he said, we may have something. And then he says, I think we have something. And then they start these trials. And uh, th- this is not a-, a company that is a fly-by-night company, of which some of them have affiliated here, candidly. This is a company that uh, has so much credibility that if they think they have something, I mean, I-, I called my doctor. I wanted to get into the Regeneron test. Now, my doctor's conservative and said, listen, you, you don't want to do that, and they're not accepting your age group, and you don't want to do it. But I think this is going to be the real deal, a- and there's no reason to not uh, trust Len Schleifer. He's got way too much credibility. It's a huh. real good. Topic. So you would contra- you would contrast that with, say, Moderna, which is on the cover of the Boston Herald this morning with the headline help is on the way. 
It's their hometown paper, but the story is largely about the trials that will begin there next month. I read stat. Um, uh, my, my old friend Adam Feuerstein there <laughs> from the street. Well, I just feel stat has been stat did that incredible piece about the liquidation by the chief medical officer, the one of the highest execs of Moderna and how he sold stock. And then Moderna did the eight for eight. They came on and said, listen, we got eight for eight. And then next thing you know, you got a big uh, stock sale. And I had been a huge backer of Moderna because I really liked the fact that they're affiliate. They work with the, uh, Amazon Web Services. They're very smart people, but it's never been us. They've never been able to, to get anything through, never been successful in this. Right. And the stock sale did not need to occur. Okay, it didn't need to occur, and it tainted the situation. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people feel that way, Jim. Yeah. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about something else David Rubenstein talked about. That's election risk uh, to the market, and we'll get to some of the retail names, big stories at PVH and Lulu and some others. Futures continue to improve here, up six fifty. Back in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Going into a pretty good tape this morning, PVH is down about one and a half percent, Jim. Uh, one of the few retailers, really, that uh, has said Q2 is going to be worse than Q1 was. Well, uh, Manny Trico, whom I've known many times and has come on for years and years, was uh, I, I think he, he was quite negative and, and talked about how there are many retailers that are really going to struggle here. Uh, he said this year was a mess. He said that he used the term BS. He said, no BS. This is a very tough time for retail. There are only a few retailers that I think are going to come through this thing unscathed. Uh, one of them has a stock that's down that I think actually should be up, which is Lululemon. I like that quarter very much, and I think that there's a lot to recommend. Uh, PVH does not have necessarily the brand, so that's Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, that can, that can sustain. Uh, Lululemon's been a fantastic uh, work at home, uh, uh, play at home uh, company. And I thought the numbers were good. And it wouldn't surprise me if that stock uh, is able to have a run. Now, when we talk about, by the way, what's running before market, uh, you know, I say, well, let's deal with the facts. Adobe was better than expected. People thought that was down. That down was really bad, really bad last night. That was a mistake. I think that Lulu is better than expected. I think that American Air is not better than expected. I think the genius brands, which trades like a, a, a Mexican jumping bean, you know, it's got up, 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 down, 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 uh, is the kind of thing yeah. that people are focused on because it's a four dollar stock. Uh, and I just got to tell you, Carl, I don't mind people losing money, but I, I'd rather them lose money in real stocks so that they can buy more of them than buy stocks and then sell them because they're not up uh, by 10 o'clock. And that's what I really f- fear. I have no desire to be a killjoy. I think you should buy a stock like Lululemon when it's down because it's most likely going to be up a few months from now because it's such a great brand and it did well. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. 
Learn more at comcast.com slash project up. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. I think that we are in an unfortunate period where there are a lot of people who would not buy when the Dow was down 1700 and they waited for the futures to come out of their slump. And now they come in and it would have been far better had they been buying into the decline than coming in all excited this morning. So, look, again, I I apologize that I'm uh, throwing a little uh, rain on the parade. But you know what? Bring an umbrella. You'll be fine. And we're going to take a break and come right back. Time for a mad dash. I think Jim is watching uh, two downgrades today of Tesla. Yeah, we've got a Goldman taking Tesla from a buy to a neutral. They like GM, neutral to buy. And then uh, Morgan says uh, Tesla goes to underweight there. 680 uh, goes to 650 target. They fear China and tech competition. 132% move versus S&P minus seven. The Goldman piece resonates with me from one. Look, I don't think Tesla's a sale. I like Tesla very much. But what I like is, is that because we're not going to have uh, we need social distancing because we can't carpool because people are afraid of mass transit. I think autos are going to make a comeback. And that's why I like this Goldman call very much on GM. I also like AutoZone. I think that if you were to make a bet even on Ford, uh, you can make money. I say bet on Ford because Ford doesn't have the balance sheet that I like. Uh, but GM has got very good China business. I think it's a, you don't need to sell Tesla to buy GM. That's kind of, uh, I think, in uh, brokerage artifice. But I, I think that GM can work, and I've been very anti the stock of GM for a very long time. Yeah, Jim, that's interesting. Uh, you know, J.P. Morgan last night was talking about this pent-up demand issue, more in, the, in terms of services, but their larger point is it's going to be impossible to know what normal levels of demand are uh, going into the next few months because there'll be explosive spikes in demand for things that people couldn't get or wouldn't go out to get. Uh, and, and so we're going to be left asking a lot of questions. Yes. By the way, Hertz, uh, they of uh, the giant offering have 700,000 cars uh, that I thought could come to market. The used car market should be actually hurt by that. Used cars are, are selling well. But uh, if we take GM at face value and say that the Chinese market is back, uh, that's a nice wind. That's a nice uh, tailwind. Now, by the way, some people are saying that Tesla won't do well in China. I think that's crazy. Uh, but. GM, I think, can work here for uh, and not just for a trade. I think it could be for an investment because of the uh, uh, because of what's happened with COVID. It does make sense to have your own car. Yeah, uh, we should take note of the incredible month that Elon Musk has had sending men uh, into space. Uh, Tesla is now the most valuable automaker in the world. Jonas's point, though, at Morgan is China competition, right? We talked right. to Ford uh, about VW partnership earlier in the week. Capital needs, near-term demand. Uh, does that, do those things add up to a small trim to the target? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he's kind of like the Jonas Brothers. 
Uh, one day he comes in, he <laughs> likes it, and then the next brother comes in, he doesn't like it. I think the Jonas Brothers, I love them. I love them. I once been on a concert at, at Robin Hood, uh, and not the one men in tights that people are all excited about here. Uh, and uh, they remind me of Jonas. I mean, they're kind of, you know, sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. And uh, I wish, I, I'm sure that Jonas is a nice man, but he is all over the map. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know what to say about him other than Tesla's been real right and uh, – he, he seems to enjoy commenting on it. He should make a song about it. Yeah, well, we've, we, we've talked to him in the past about, uh, about his bull, the disparity between his uh, bull and bear case numbers and so forth. The other big downgrade uh, this morning, Jim, was BMO on CAT uh, going to yeah. 130, uh, talking, talking about, in their terms, a, a catatonic near-term recovery. I thought that was a funny piece because when you read through it, it actually kind of felt positive. They talked about management being uh, much better, about cash. They talked about some uh, possible tailwinds coming, coming down. Uh, but the stock is a trading vehicle. And uh, I know the Caterpillar uh, didn't come down enough versus the other cyclicals. So they want to hammer it. It was a trading call, I believe. I think Caterpillar's uh, is doing much better than expected. But they know, I know that the numbers, the actual monthly numbers were not that good. So this was a, a well-timed downgrade. But don't, stay, don't go short it because Caterpillar is not the old Caterpillar. It's better run. Yeah, uh, Target 130 is not too far right. from here. Jim, we mentioned uh, Sandy Weil uh, on Squawk earlier this morning uh, talking about uh, the banks, uh, whether or not they're in good shape. And actually, actually, he managed to bring a couple of uh, recommendations within the space. Here's what Weil t- told uh, Becky and Joe and Andrew earlier this morning. The financial industry is in very good shape this time. And uh, I think that the stocks are selling a lot of them well below book value. Some of them have created different models. And, uh, for example, I think uh, companies like Morgan Stanley and Schwab are really very good buys for the long term because they really represent the building up of assets, recurring income. I think they've made a lot of very smart moves and and the stocks are, are really, really cheap relative to the potential. Far he uh, me. really didn't go. I'm sorry. I mean, I was going to say, Jim, he didn't really go too far in terms of Becky's question about whether or not loss provisions will be another story in the coming prints. Yeah, that's what I worry about. I mean, Goldman Sachs is, uh, what, about seven bucks below its tangible book value and it yields 2.5. Uh, but the fact is, is that these uh, Goldman, Goldman Sachs traded down to 130. It was, uh, it, that's not supposed to happen. The reason why some of these are, are not great is because they can't buy back stock. Uh, so you have these gap downs. I, it's hard for me to believe that 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 uh, you, you get a guy like Jamie Dimon and he, if the stock's down six bucks, you know, he buys the stock. But you're not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, go, uh, when I look at the P.E. of J.P. Morgan uh, uh, 11 times, it does intrigue me. But I worry about loan losses. It's a recession. It's not great to buy buy, buy banks in a recession. I worry about one day the Fed wakes up and says, you know what, we do have to take the dividends away. I lo- worry about companies that are so linked to what the government can say about them. So I, I am not as uh, – Sa- Sandy is a, a great investor, a great man, great, uh, great philanthropist. But uh, these are stocks that you really got to buy when they're getting completely annihilated because uh, they trade uh, terribly on a down day. Terribly. Yeah, that was one of the other takeaways from yesterday's action, Jim. Some who were looking for silver lining said that uh, although you know there was a big gut check on equities, the credit 
by comparison, held in relatively well. Would you go that far? Yes, that's true. Uh, and it does say that the market, just the common stock market got overheated. Uh, it, it, I think it got overheated for the oils. But here we go again, Carl. Chesapeake Energy up five bucks. I mean, that's probably a worthless piece of paper of five bucks. I mean, you know, it's it's just a game. Uh, as uh, Art Cashin just said in his note, Jim, the amateurs will be back today to ride the market, having been partially protected by the sell stops they used. He's so right. Remember, they went to the roulette wheel every day and it came up black. Yesterday it was red. But they have genuine belief that, well, listen, when you play roulette, it comes up black. Look at how many times it came up black. They didn't take that statistic course. I don't blame them. It was a really hard course. It wrecked a lot of people's transcripts. Yeah. Check out that breath. Uh, awful lot of green this morning at the NYSC celebrating an IPO. It's Azek Company, a manufacturer of residential and commercial building products. CEO will join us on Squawk Alley this morning at the NASDAQ uh, celebrating an IPO as well. It's a Burning Rock Biotech provider of cancer screening gym in China. As the China. IPO market continues to get our attention. Chinese IPO. Okay. Looks like nothing's changed. Uh, DoorDash being valued at $15 billion, I mean, by, uh, by guys who want to bid the thing up. At a time when most restaurants are hobbled, uh, DoorDash goes up in value. Uh, at a time when Matt Maloney knows to cash out, uh, he, he being the CEO of Grubhub, we get this valuation of $15 billion. It, it does feel like what happened with uh, Lyft and, uh, and, and with Uber. But when you've got these companies that are already invested, they like to buy more at a higher level. It makes them feel terrific. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I'm not crazy about right now, Carl. And even though I do like most of the companies, uh, and I understand why everything's green because it's uh, we've become a roulette wheel, and it's you know this, it came up, you know, it landed on double zero today. But I do feel like Dostoevsky. I really feel like it's become the gambler, and, and I think it's a shame because there's so many good companies that should not be subject to this. That should just be trading on the merits and not just subject to the whims of big hedge funds who come on and say it's done, the world's over, or it's great, and by uh, uh, the day traders who are now blowing out of the stuff they bought at uh, seven o'clock and they're happy. Maybe they're even done for the day. Yeah, there's uh, two names in the red, Jim, One Oak and Campbell's. And look, One Oak, it took an equity offering to get One Oak down. Uh, that's Walter Hull's CFO. He's very, very smart. He, he knew to offer 26 million. Uh, Campbell's, well, I guess people are not staying at home uh, because uh, that's remember when they reported they, they, they killed themselves. I mean, they had, a, they had a really good quarter, and then they said it can't continue. Um, and, and that's very hard to argue with when the CEO comes on and says it can't continue. Uh, look, last night when Manny Trico came on from PVH and basically said, you know, I was very bullish about it. I said, man, it stock's down a lot. I mean, well, it's going to be a very tough year. Uh, so there are, there are CEOs who are willing to say, you know what, it's not coming together right now. Yeah. Every Dow name in the green. Uh, Jim, Boeing's up eight. Uh, despite headlines that say they're pulling back on the max restart out of the journal this morning, that they've told Spirit Aerosystems uh, to pause production of parts that they were starting to make in advance of a resumption in production. Uh, so it's hard to keep that down. People want to believe that we're all going to fly again. Well, there. look, I think Boeing is uh, on discount is, is going to be good because I do think they're going to get 737 approval. 
Uh, I do know I am not. I do think that flying will come back. I don't think it will come back nearly as fast as, as uh, the initial people were flying. And that's part of that is because a lot of things are closed. And a lot of that is because of Zoom uh, or WebEx from Cisco, which is doing quite well. But uh, but Boeing's a great company, and they do still have an order book, and and uh, I do think that Boeing can make a comeback. But I just think that all in good time, it's not going to be overnight. Uh, I still think that there's going to be a second half of uh, 737 Max. But will the airlines have enough money to buy? Uh, I don't know. Does the federal government have to do another round of airline investment? And I think the answer is that they they may have to. They may have to, not for Southwest, but they may have to for the other guys. Well, yeah. Well, Mnuchin with us yesterday and uh, and Kudlow, I guess, to some degree after did suggest that they would take a harder look at travel and leisure in this next round. Yeah, well, I think that uh, Secretary Mnuchin was talking about restaurants. I mean, when you have to take out when you take out 60 percent of the tables or 50 percent of the tables, you can't double the price of your uh, of your how much you charge people. Uh, so you're, you're just going to not you're not going to be able to pay your rent. So you're going to go under and the, the big chains won't have a problem. I think Darden will be able to do it. Jack in the box had good numbers. Uh, but I think that almost every other restaurant where there are between 13 and 15 million people work uh, is going to be struggling, which is why, again, I question the DoorDash 15 billion dollar valuation, uh, especially now that we have a deep pocketed partner from Europe coming in and be one of the competitors. Uh, the restaurant business is the one that's most on the ropes because social distancing is difficult. And there's also studies the CDC has put out about how air conditioning can move droplets uh, through a restaurant. So uh, there are real issues unless you're outside doing social distancing. And uh, it's an industry that I know that that needs the vaccine. Let's put it that way. It needs a vaccine to come back. But when it gets a vaccine, it's going to come back with a vengeance. People like to go out. Yeah. No, your point. Exactly right, Jim, because the distancing thing uh, ruins the unit economics. Yes. Masks, we know, are the closest thing we have to a golden ticket. But compliance is virtually impossible to I make know. universal. I see David Buster's, though, up 12 percent. I mean, the, on, the, on the notion that we're going to start playing video games and pool uh, in, a, in a gathered setting. I think that's great. That company was trading as at one point as if it was going to have to go bankrupt. Uh, and when it was traded down at four uh, on the 18th, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It obviously requires, requires crowds to do really, really well. Uh, when you're at a bar, by the way, there's a, a, a company that sells devices which show exactly where you can sit at a bar. And all I can tell you is, is that you need uh, to be able to, to double the price of those drinks. It, because there's just not enough people can get at a bar. And one of the things that's fun about, about Dave and Buster is you, you go to the bar while the kids lose money on, on things like the claw, you know? <laughs> that's right. Um, Jim, uh, Microsoft. Uh, this morning, the president retweets a tweet uh, that argues they should be banned from federal contracts as they now join uh, the growing chorus of tech companies that are not going to play on facial recognition with regards to the police. Well, I mean, I think that Look, these things are up to the execs. Uh, look, what I I don't want to be able to do it, but whatever. I mean, I think Microsoft is a very ethical company, uh, maybe one of the most ethical I've ever seen. Uh, Amazon did it. And by the way, there was a nice note from Facebook, the, the Chan's uh, Zuckerberg Initiative. Uh, here he actually, uh, they actually t- talks very critically of the president. Uh, so, I mean, I think that there, there was an article in the paper about how the president's getting isolated on certain issues. Uh, and look, I, I, 
I, I play with an open hand. What happened in Minneapolis is so horrendous. I, I would like every company to rethink their, their policies uh, about anything that makes it so that it's easy to track American citizens uh, who may have done nothing wrong. Constitution. Yeah. As for politics at large, as for politics at large, Jim, you know, Goldman's made no secret that they're getting asked a lot about election risk, uh, the implications that that would have on corporate uh, tax reform. In their view, it would bring down their 2021 numbers by, I think, 11 percent back to yeah. 150. Uh, Bloomberg's got a piece out this morning that they say that if you're looking for one narrative as to why we got a gut check yesterday, it may be that predict it uh, shows the risk of a blue wave is increasing. Do you think that's valid? Yes, I think that that's very valid. And I think that it would be a natural for uh, 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 a President Biden to say that capital gains should be taxed at the same rate as ordinary income, uh, because capital gains are something that the rich people have. Uh, if he said that, uh, Larry Kudlow and I campaigned for low uh, corporate, uh, low capital gains and low dividends when, when it was Kudlow and Kramer. Uh, but I'm just saying that it, it's very easy to see that uh, 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 President Biden could say, hey, listen, uh, who really has capital gains? The, none of the really none of the uh, of the middle class do. So let's just change that and get uh, raise money that way. That would not shock me. It's not what I want. Not what I want. But it could shock me. I think that they should be higher. But again, when you say that somebody wants their taxes higher, that people say, well, what kind of capitalist is Kramer? Well, I, look, I, I think that the gov- I don't like how much the government owes. I think something has to be done. But I think that the idea yeah. that you would think that the, pre- the market would come down with the President Biden is, is perfectly a, a realistic s- scenario. Right. Uh, in fact, uh, David Rubenstein all earlier this morning pointed out the last president or the last incumbent to win in a recession was McKinley. Now, his view is that uh, forecasters see the economy being out of recession by the time the election actually takes place. But that if we're still in, it will make it difficult for uh, the Trump White House to, to get reelected. Wow. McKinley. And he wanted to cru- crucify mankind upon a cross of gold. Great speech by William Jennings Bryan. But uh, McKinley took the honors there. Um, So we're back to a period, dear Jim, where where the the Walmarts, the Proctors, the Verizons are going to be laggards today. Right. Um, I guess we're going to we're going to wrestle with how long that lives. I noticed the journal had an op ed from the editorial board this morning that says that, you know, more infections are going to be inevitable. But the cost of shutting down the economy, in their words, are so great that there is no alternative to opening for the broader public good. Uh, yeah, and I thought that that was the best part of the Secretary Mnuchin interview. We got, we can't close it again. Holy cow, what a disaster. Uh, it's very interesting, too, to read the uh, terrific piece in the Wall Street Journal about how devastating it was to do what New York, New York did, how New York handled it the worst of any place in the country. Uh, and the shutdown continues. We, we, none of us really knows the rules about what's going to happen in New York. And I got two restaurants. If you, if you know what we're going to have to do, Carl, let me know, okay? Because we took the PPP trying to figure out what's going to happen. We sell pizza, take out pizza now at one place. We got the margarita stand. Uh, but New York is just a shambles. And the mayor is still the mayor, which is rather extraordinary. Uh, if he were the CEO of a company, I think that that wouldn't uh, he wouldn't gone. pass muster. But, yeah, I mean, look, you're not going to buy the you're going to buy the John Deere's today. You're going to buy the industrials uh, Caterpillar. There we go. Right. I mean, Caterpillar downgrade. Uh, so it's only up three. Imagine if they hadn't said anything, probably be up seven. Look at the green. 
Yeah. What a just lemmings. Where it's were a, they yesterday, Carl, at 3 o'clock? Where were they, the buyers? What were they doing? They couldn't be watching sports. There's no sports. Uh, there's golf. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, your point, I think, is broadly a good one, Jim. Um, right. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely looking for some of the cream to be taken off the top. I think, you know, some who were talking or watching levels on the Nasdaq said, let's hold 98.50. And if it gets below that, then we can worry, uh, worry big time. Well, I just think that people have to recognize that you want to buy them when they're selling them. Uh, You don't want to pay up right here, uh, particularly on a weekend uh, going into a period where, uh, we have uh, many things up in the air in, in, uh, historically right now. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I, look, I, I think the market is good. I think there's a lot of companies that are doing really well, a lot of companies that are worth buying. Lululemon was down 14. Now it's only down three. Now that's interesting to me. I like that. That's an opportunity. Adobe was down 12 last night. Adobe was a really good call. I had, I had Shantanu and Orion on last night, the CEO. It is so clear that they are doing well. It is very, very exciting. So I think that there's tons of companies that are doing well that you want to buy, but not everything. Not everybody's doing well. I mean, how Wells Gap right. stores yep, doing yep. if they're being sued by Simon Property Group? No, Adobe's an interesting story, Jim, and, and your interview was great. Um, Thank you. I mean, their current quarter guidance isn't, isn't that far from consensus, but they did pull uh, 2020 targets. I wonder what you think that means. Oh, I think that Sean News recognizes that it's very hard to get a read on all of his different constituencies. He's got retail constituencies. He's got uh, a DocuSign kind of business that's doing incredibly well. Look at that stock. See, isn't that great? That stock was down so badly last night, and people wanted to throw it away. And, and then you're listening to the conference call or you listen to the interview that we had in the conference call and you recognize what a powerhouse that they could do these kinds of numbers in this kind of slowdown. And he gives 30 million copies away of his most important uh, Adobe Illustrator that for, to, to kids so that, he's, so that he can equalize things. He's not, one of, he's not a guy who said, he's not a, what I call a hearts and minds guy, which is my hearts and minds go out. He, his product goes out, and that's what we need to see. He is a true great American doing fabulous things for this country, and he's also doing great things for his shareholders. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Adobe up almost uh, 18 as we're a stone's throw from 26K once again on the uh, on the Dow. Let's get to Rick Santelli this morning in advance of some data at the top of the hour. Hey, Rick. Yes, we'll get a uh, University of Michigan sentiment on top of the hour preliminary read for this month. If you look at a two day of tens, it really has been an, a wild week. You know, we were down to 64 basis points intraday yesterday, and now we're just across 70 basis points, which means we're down pretty much exactly 20 basis points on the week. 30s are down an equal amount. And if you look at a one-week chart, what really should jump out at you is the fact that, uh, you know, we, we really fell every single day this week except for today, but today obviously isn't finished. Open the chart up to early March, and you can see the reason 64 made many traders a little nervous yesterday. It's only 10 basis points off the highest, uh, the lowest uh, yield close ever, which was on the 9th of March, as you see on that chart. Uh, If you look at a month to date of the dollar index, we are down 1.6 percent 
uh, currently for the month of June, uh, a fairly astonishing amount. And if you go back just a few more days uh, beyond that month, the numbers even get bigger, down close to 3%. And what really is amazing with the dollar indexes is that if you go to year-to-date chart, 96.40 is where we settled last year. We only had one day, and that was the 9th of March, that it was lower until this week. Of course, we had our second day. We are now hovering slightly above unchanged on the year and only down slightly on the week. And as far as what happened yesterday, you know, probably Jay Paul not being optimistic and COVID news. But I'm not sure politics. I don't remember President Dukakis. We would have had one, though, if the polls were accurate at that point in time in history. Carl, Jim, back to you. All right, Greg, thanks a lot. Let's get to Bob Bassani this morning, see what's moving on the floor over there. Hey, Bob. And here we go again. We've regained almost half of the losses. It's the reopening story here. Just take a look here. Transports, Russell 2000 rallying, uh, banks and energy all above the S&P 500, retail as well. Just very hard to figure out what's going on. Just look at the energy stocks. Another rally today. But Marathon, you watch Marathon, the last seven or eight trading sessions goes from six to nine to seven dollars. All of these stocks have done the same thing. The same with the industrials. You look at the airlines. United Airlines went from 30 to 50 dollars in a few days uh, and then back to the 30s here, as you can see. General Electric, same thing, went from six to nine. Now it's back uh, into the six dollar range. It's very seven dollar range. Now, just very confusing figuring out what's going on. You think the banks would be better? They're not, though. Citigroup, same story. Citigroup went from 48 to 60 dollars in a few weeks. And now it's back to the 48, 49 dollar level here. So just remind everybody what moves markets uh, and what has been moving markets, those buckets we've been talking about. Valuation here. Are we overvalued or undervalued? If the market can't create them to figure it out. Yesterday was clearly a vote for overvalued. But who knows? The reopening story, we're resetting the pace of the recovery. The, 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 the Fed has pricked the V recovery crowd. Uh, but certainly a positive on fiscal monetary stimulus. Big packages are coming there. Should you buy the dip right now? We've had a 6% downside day. Pretty rare. These 5% downside days, we had several of them in March. And every time you would have bought that, it would have worked. We're above where those numbers were even on March 18th. Remember what drives stocks. The problem right now is the earnings growth. The dividends are not growing at all. Uh, Market multiples are expanding or not. And the liability uh, of course, the liquidity out there, money to buy stocks or not, certainly not. Finally, guys, NYSE definitely going to be expanding next week, the reopening, bringing more DMMs in, slow pace of their re-expansion. But that's happening next week. Guys, back to you. All right. Uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Bob, hopefully we can be a part of that, Jim, uh, at some point down the road. I hope so. I miss you. <laughs> There's a... There's a look at the S&P 3081, uh, VIX 37 after having gone from 24 to 40 in a week. We're back in a minute. We're getting some breaking news this morning on Starbucks. For that, we're going to turn to Kate Rogers. Hi, Kate. Hi, Carl. Well, Starbucks is out with a new letter to its partners or employees this morning saying it will be partnering with the Starbucks Black Partner Network and Black Starbucks leaders to make 250,000 shirts available to company-operated partners in the U.S. and Canada to affirm the company's support at this critical time in our history. Until these shirts arrive, partners will now be able to wear their Black Lives Matter pins or T-shirts in, quote, passionate support of their community and humanity. Now, uh, this letter from Ross N. Williams, Ross Brewer and Zing Shaw goes on to say, as we talked about earlier in this week, we are designing new T-shirts with the graphic below to demonstrate our allyship and show we stand together in unity. Until these arrive, we've heard you want to show your support. So just be you. Wear your BLM pin or T-shirt. We are so proud of your passionate support of our common humanity. 
humanity. We trust you to do what's right while never forgetting that Starbucks is a welcoming third place where we are all treated with dignity and respect. This comes after a BuzzFeed news story on the company not allowing baristas to wear their Black Lives Matter related attire like shirts or pins on the job because it was in violation of the company's dress code policy. At that, that time, there was some pushback, particularly on Twitter with uh, hashtag boycott Starbucks gaining some speed. So now the company reversing course on that, saying that its partners and employees are allowed to wear their BLM attire and these new shirts will be arriving in stores. Back over to you guys. All right. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah, Jim, the um, the reporting on that last night was curious. Interesting to see them come out with such a stance. Yeah, look, I, I, I believe in free speech, and I think that this is a level of free speech that I, th- I thought that Kevin Johnson would support. He's the CEO. Uh, and uh, look, I remember uh, Howard Schultz tried to do a race initiative. I think it, it was, uh, it, it was uh, poorly, poorly timed. But look, I'm if you can, if, if companies can have free speech, uh, allow people to have free speech, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I just, I just pro, I, I look, I'm pro social change here. So I'm like, there's just no two ways about it. If you're, you're either yeah. pro social change or you're standing in the way of social change. I, I, the period where they tried to, um, to ride both trains, Jim, that's over. That, that, that period is over. Right. Uh, you can see that from some of the decisions these companies are having to make and are making. Uh, so we are up 718 on the Dow. A lot more with Jim when Squawk on the Street continues after a short break. If you look at travel and leisure names, it's like yesterday barely happened. All up 15, 14, 13 percent for American, Norwegian, United, Carnival and Royal. As the Dow's up almost 700 points on this Friday. Don't go away. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Okay, I've been killjoying a lot of names today, but I do want to emphasize that Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, run by Frank Del Rio, is the one that I believe has the best opportunities. Uh, he's got some new ships. He's got a lot of great things going. Uh, he had been fixing his balance sheet, and it has been, uh, it's been clubbed. It's down 66%. So if you do want to play that group, I would play it with Norwegian because I think they're so well run. Interesting. I see Carnival today, Jim. The Holland line extended their pause of operations, but you're definitely uh, choosing a favorite here. Yep. I think Norwegian's got some incredible prices for next year. Uh, And I'm trying to convince my wife because I think that they've got uh, I have been on their their new Haven line. Oh, my. They're fantastic. And I have a belief that we're going to have a vaccine, Carl. If you get a vaccine, yep. you're going to want to buy those cruise prices right now. Now, that's a good investment with the with vaccine. And I'm counting on J&J, and I'm counting on Regeneron, and I'm counting on my wife recognizing that if you're in the haven part, you get to be in the solarium and watch the calving of the, of the glaciers, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. And I think that Alaska is terrific. Jim, um, we're going to see you tonight, but we're actually going to see you in the 11 as well, right? Oh, yeah, because uh, th- th- this uh, ASIC is something I, I am. I know just uh, just he's saying he's the CEO. Uh, I've got the product. The product is fantastic. Um, it's like a Trex for those who have watched Trex come on the show. Uh, and it's great to see real companies with product made in America that's recycled. Uh, this is the kind of deal I like. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. 
Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.